Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of The Sheila Zielinski Show. Listen, we have a fantastic show today, and I want to jump right into it. You remember he was here about a month ago, Ruben Palomares, you remember? Revered gang cop turned feared gang leader and the Mexican drug cartel connection. I've got that show linked below. You do need to listen to that. I invited him back on the program because we had a landslide of people that contacted us about him and I thought it would be so interesting to have him back along with the guy that wrote his autobiography his book, Incredible Testimony, Rayford L. Johnson. I'm going to let Rayford tell you a little bit about his ministry. So Rayford, I'll let you start. And it's great to have you and Ruben on. Talk to the folks about, first of all, your ministry, sir. Basically, my ministry is I go into the jails and uh, juvenile hall, and uh, I do deliverance ministry for individuals, for gang members. And a lot of times, the individuals I'm dealing with, you know, they're hearing voices and seeing things. And, you know, we know that the word pharmacy, I talk about in my book, Thug Mentality Exposed, the word pharmacy, you know, derives from the word pharmakia, which means sorcery. And, you know, in ancient times, people would use drugs to hear voices and to see spirits and things like that. So now you got these gang members doing it recreationally, you know, they're hearing these voices and they're seeing these things. And, you know, I remember working in Department of Corrections, you know, I'd be ministering to individuals and, you know, I would be like, man, there's, they have some good curriculum there, good life skills curriculum. But my spirit was saying this person needs a deliverance, you know, but, you know, you got that separation between, you know, state and religion, you can't do that. But over a series of events, the Lord led me to go in and start going to full-time ministry. So, you know, door opened up at the jail in Juvenile Hall. I was able to, to go in there, initially doing mainly life skills and guidance counseling. Then I hooked up with a friend of mine who's now my pastor, Fernando Perez, who is a deliverance minister from Brazil. And, you know, at the time I was doing kind of low-level deliverance, but he just took me to a whole nother level through the anointing that he had. And it just really took my ministry to a whole nother level when I started going to the jails. Like I said, I would encounter a lot of individuals that would hear voices and see things. And when we start praying for them and you start literally calling out the name of meth, the name of cocaine, the name of heroin, these guys would manifest sometimes fall to the ground and their eyes would start rolling in the back of their head. And then from there, I started getting tons of requests, you know, people wanting, hey, can you pray for my cellmate? And then, you know, other units were finding out. And so I started getting a lot of these stacks of uh, requests. And that's what kind of led me to write the book, Demon Mentality exposed because like I can't be the person just you know at the jails they don't have a lot of deliverance uh, ministry going on at the jail so the Lord told me hey you need to the Bible says to make disciples right and so he said you need to write a book on how to train people into deliverance so I started writing that book you know based on a lot of the testimonials and some of the revelation that God was giving me like for example when I would deal with gang members when I would call out their gang they would literally, that demon would literally start manifesting wow. and they would start speaking out. Even when you call out the moniker and you know of their name, the nickname. And a lot of times, unless you renounce your nickname, that's what I was discovering. A lot of times people will get saved, but they won't renounce their nickname. And a lot of times that nickname is really a demon. You know, people wonder why, you know, their name is do dirty or cut cut, or whatever. That's that demon that entered in, maybe through the drugs, you know, maybe even through some of the tattooing. We find that too. We find out when we pray for individuals, sometimes Times their tattoos will move around, they heat up. Because, you know, a lot of times tattoos, these patterns are used as portals to enter into the soul. You know, drugs are used as portals to enter into the soul. Fornication, sex before marriage. We go through the, you know, whole series when we're praying for these individuals, and literally they'll start manifesting, you know, beyond soul ties, you know, people they've been with sexually. Because, like I said, when you come together, you know, I've talked to Satanists, and they'll tell together before marriage, it's almost like you might as well throw a pentagram on the mattress, okay? Because that is a sexual ritual. Yeah. You know, people thinking God's trying to stop me from having fun. No, God's trying to stop you from getting possessed. And I can tell you, you know, many stories. Stories of just last night praying for someone who had soul ties and just the manifestations that happened when I called out those past relationships. So, you know, the Bible says Proverbs 4, 7, and all thy getting, get understanding. So even before I pray for someone, you know, I want to minister to them, get, get them to understand how first the demons entered in, to understand the legalities, how these demons entered in. Because sometimes you could just pray for someone, but if you don't explain it to them, you know, they'll allow those spirits to come back. And like the Bible says, they'll come back seven times stronger. 
So, you know, it's important, like I said, in all that getting, get understanding. You know, Hosea 4 and 6 says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So that's another reason why the Lord told me to write the book, Demon Mentality Exposed, because once I pray for someone, first I'll kind of give them a little summarized version, you know, orientation of, you know, what happened, you know, how these spirits entered in. I do like a little questionnaire, you know, what type of things we were involved in, you know, generation curses. You know, Reuben taught me a lot about post-traumatic stress. That was a big one. I mean, wow. it was a blessing how God led me into Reuben. Because, man, I mean, that's a big one. You know, a lot of the gangs have post-traumatic stress, you know, just growing up and, you know, come to find out post-traumatic stress can be generational. These things go into the neurons of someone and then they have a baby and it's been proven scientifically that these patterns will go into the baby, you know. So not just the spirits, but just the neural circuitry patterns of an individual, the way they think, the way they respond, the phobias and everything else. So it's just, it's been a, it's been a blessing, like I said, hooking up with the network. You know, we I, I work with the network of brothers out here in Northern California and just that camaraderie that we have and you know we're uh, planning on putting on an online school for teaching healing and deliverance so you know that's kind of in a nutshell like I said we have a 1-800 number Uh, we go out to houses and things like that sometimes people call us hey I think my house is possessed can you pray for us? But once again, like I said, we want to bring that understanding so people understand, first of all, how these spirits entered in. Because a lot of times, like I said, you just walk up to somebody, just pray for them. And I used to do that. You just pray for them and not really educate them. Then they call you back two weeks. Hey, you know, something else. Things gotten worse. Well, I'm going to tell you, I think you have an amazing ministry. And I think what you do is so important. And this is where this ties in, I guess, with Ruben, because a lot of these spirits of trauma that come in, you know, people, you know, they send these guys to counselors, and people go through their lives with counseling, but you're not going to counsel out a demon. And so that's why it's really important to look at the spiritual aspect of these things. Because Ruben, you know, all too well, that spirit of trauma, that's a biggie. You know, you combine that with physical, mental abuse, ongoing, and then you throw in the mix the dabbling and the witchcraft and some of these witchcraft curses. You already come in with a boatload of generational curses. The whole thing is just one gigantic recipe of disaster straight out of Hell's Kitchen, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's what we do. I want to share a quick story because uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, Nobody ever knew the name after Vietnam in the 80s, 90s. That name didn't exist, at least not to all of us, the police officers. And uh, flashbacks, the nightmares when you're involved in shootings. Well, the gang members, one day I was working uh, the gang unit in 18th Street and MS-13. They were going to war, heavy, heavy war. They were daily drive-bys back and forth. It was uh, in the 90s. It was like nonstop drive-by after drive-by. You hit them, they come back and retaliate. And it was like from block to block, just around the corner, they're already shooting each other and one pursuits. Well, one day, a guy from 18th Street, he's walking on his own block, and one of his so-called best friend homeboys, he didn't know, but he just played around a joke and said, MS fool, and his partner just turned around and shot him and killed him right there because he really thought it was MS, and that's PTSD for gang members because they were at war, so any little fidgety move or, or even just by saying that name, that's their enemies, and he just turned around and shot him. He didn't know it was his friend playing a joke on him. He killed his own friend. That's something that happens to gang members too and in, and in prison being around the guys I would talk to a lot of the guys that were still involved in, in the lifestyle and they would always tell me to pray for them too they say Ruben I have PTSD too you know I have I have PTSD yeah. you know all the drive-bys all the, all the different riots I've been in and understanding the background the tension the, the pressure that they go through they sign up for something because in the beginning it seems cool it seems a, a form of belonging we're friends we're cool family they didn't get it at home now they're getting it with their friends and the party's cool, but then all of a sudden the, the gang violence starts, the war starts, and now they're in it, and they wish they never signed up for it, but they know that getting out is, is going to cost them their life, too. So they're in by fear. They stay by fear for the most part. A lot of people do stay by fear. And that's something that um, I learned while I was in it, just interviewing people, talking to people, praying for the guys that want to leave. Some will leave by surrendering their life to the Lord. They'd be left alone, and they leave, and they start serving the Lord. And some of them would get a little bit of a backlash, but it'd be temporary just to test them out to see if they're real with their walk with God. But they'd also tell them, hey, we're watching you. If you, if you slip up, um, you know we're going to come after you. Because they used to say this word all the time. The gang would say, God forgives, but the homies don't. Mm. That's what they say. And, and in other words, they have their little rules, you know, they have their culture. And in their mind, they're saying, we don't care what you do. If you disrespect us, we're going to get you. We don't forgive. We're going to get revenge. We're going to kill you, you, whatever. And that's their mentality. 
So, you know, they, they try to enforce fear on people, intimidation. Since we're talking about MS-13, <laughs> I was assigned to MS-13 as a gang cop, the, the crash unit, I was assigned to MS-13, and my partner and I were assigned to monitor, identify them, find out who are the key players, just get their, their monikers, identify them in every possible way, tattoos, what they're up to, what kind of crimes they're up to, if they're wanted, just to keep them in line and also find out what's really going on in the streets. And I got familiar with them. I really got familiar with them personally because I would talk to them face-to-face, interview them. You know, sometimes I had to arrest them for murders, for robberies. I didn't have any, you know, dope, you name it. It was a normal for us, and we were dealing with them. But being the gang cop, we knew that we had to let them know that we were the, the bigger gang. So the way we dealt with them was, was ruthless, tough. And they understood that, that language, so they understood that type of talk. It was just normal. It was a normal thing for them, and it was a normal thing for us. Well, some of these drug cartels, I mean, we're talking about really high-level Satanism, and of course, witchcraft is a big factor in some of these gangs. Look at MS-13. A lot of these guys will just straight up tell you they're they're into heavy-duty, high-level witchcraft, and it's no wonder they're slaughtering people because the more blood and the mayhem, that's right up their alley. Right. You know, the blood sacrifices, the Aztecs and the Mayans, you know, you see that, like a lot of that replicated within the gang of MS-13. You know, they, they want to appease these demonic deity, you know, because they believe that brings them riches and everything else. Just like the original thuggies. You know, the original thuggies worshipped the goddess Kali, and they would create these little camps on the sides of the road and invite travelers in, and then they would wine them and dine them and then murder them. They believed that when they did that, that their harvest would be blessed, their livestock would be blessed, and their women would be fertile, have a lot of children. So, you know, we see that same thing. Just like MS-13 is just... Another brand of witchcraft, of a witchcraft cult. That's all it is. And, you, you know, a lot of the gangs operate off the same principles. MS-13 is more extreme than most of the gangs. Yes. And you know what? I got to tell you a funny story, Ray. You'll appreciate this. Off air, I said to Ruben, would you just march right into, you know, MS-13 territory and just start witnessing to these guys preaching the gospel? And he said, yes, of course, without even hesitation, you know, no fear. And I said, I knew you would. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he he would. I believe Ruben would. (laughs) Yeah, I have no doubt Ruben would do that. (laughs) You know, the funny part about it is uh, a lot of people don't know the history of MS before. Before they were MS-13, before they were gang members, in the late 70s, maybe early, early 80s, they were stoners. They were heavy metal, heavy metal group. They came from El Salvador after the Civil Wars over there. And the guys were actually stoners, long hair, jeans, heavy metal shirts, Metallica, Led Zeppelin shirts, ACDC. That's how any smoke probably hung out. And I knew a few of them before they were MS-13 because where I grew up, some of my friends were Salvadorans, but they weren't from MS-13, but they knew a few of them when they were uh, just the stoners. Heavy metalers, and they were already calling themselves MS because of the, the fact that they were all United Salvadorians, but they were all long hair heavy metalers and gradually started getting into the, the gang structure, the, the gang lifestyle. When they, and because they were in enemy territory, 18th Street has been their biggest rivals in, in Rampart Division. That's where 18th Street started, but then that's where MS started. They started fighting for territories and they started killing each other left and right. That's how they be, became really strong into the, the, gang, the gang politics. But the reason they were going to war and getting killed all the time too was because they wouldn't surrender to the Mexican Mafia. In the beginning, they weren't paying rent to the Mexican Mafia. They had a green light. They were a target, but they were ruthless. They were fighting back with everybody. They wouldn't pay rent. So basically, it's open season for anyone that saw MS or they could shoot and kill them on site because they were not paying rent. All their activities, all their drug activities, whatever they were doing, extorting, they weren't paying rent to the Mexican Mafia and everybody else could go after them. Eventually, things started coming around when they started getting stronger and powerful and then some of their own uh, homeboys got ranked into the Mexican mafia later on, and basically they started they started correcting everything. Now they were that's why they have MS-13. They never had MS-13 before. It was just MS. Mara Salvatrucha. Uh, it's basically United Salvadorians, or Trucha is being alert, aware, and United Salvadorians. The 13 is a uh, the 13th letter of the alphabet, which for stands for the M for M Mexican mafia, because. The, the gang neighborhoods all have that because they give account to the Mexican mafia and they pay rent to them or they're, they're all connected affiliate at best or bosses. So MS didn't have that before because they weren't paying rent. They didn't belong to them in the beginning. In a sense, 
they weren't their bosses. Now they are. That's why they have the 13. The 13 came in afterwards because 13 is for Sureños, Southern California gang members. And that's because when they came from El Salvador, due to the Civil War they were having out there in their country, the ones that were coming over, they started getting together. And they landed in Rampart, and they basically started clicking, becoming, you know, family, friends. And just, that's how it started. Southern California gang member is basically their bosses is a Mexican mafia, the, the M. Every Southern California gang member has a 13 on their side because the 13th letter of the alphabet is S for Sureños. The MS-13, in the beginning, they weren't affiliated with them. They weren't, they weren't paying no rent. They weren't, they weren't doing anything like that. That's why they, was, they were always at war with all the other gang members. And then um, eventually, when they, really, when they basically started paying rent and getting, getting affiliated with the, with the MS, they were, they were able to put the 13 because in the beginning, it was just MS. There's also other gang members out there that uh, have a, green, a permanent green light. They call it a permanent green light because they never paid rent to the Mexican mafia. And these neighborhoods ended up shooting some of their, their bo- the bosses, the Emmy guys, and because they wouldn't pay rent to them. And now their gang in East L.A. has a permanent green light. Anytime any other gang member sees them, Southern California has a lot of gang members. Any gang member that sees that, that gang has a green light, they can shoot them, kill them on site. They have to. The the neighborhood in, in, in East LA, one day the, the, the Mexican Mafia went to collect rent for them because when, when the neighborhoods are, are, are running their streets, they're collecting, they're, they're extorting or they're also selling dope. Whatever money they're making, they're supposed to give a certain percentage to the, to the, to the bosses, which is the Mexican Mafia. Well, what happens is they're supposed to give, and, and if anybody refuses to give that money, they're gonna get they're gonna get themselves uh, dealt with with violence, either taken out or or something's gonna happen to them. But they're gonna end up having to pay. So this neighborhood wasn't doing it, and, and MS13 wasn't doing it in the beginning either. So they're they're going to war because they're required to pay. I think it's like thirty percent or something. It, it, whatever winning they have to their to their own enterprise, their own businesses, they're having to pay other neighborhoods the the Mexican mafia their their money. And anybody refused, of course, they're going to go after them and, and take them out. Well, this neighborhood refused. This neighborhood in East L.A., they come, the, the neighborhood's called Lowell Street. That's the name of the, the neighborhood. They didn't pay. Instead of paying, they ended up shooting the guys that came to collect rent. They killed two of the guys, and then later on, they retaliated. The Mexican mafia retaliated and shot some of their guys. Well, they got a permanent green light. means uh, while you're a gang member in that neighborhood, if you're seen by other gang members anywhere in the areas, they see you and they, they recognize you as one of those gang members who are going to have to shoot you on sight. Ray, you go ahead. That's one of the things, um, when I share Ruben's story, you know, in the correctional facilities, because uh, like I said, originally we did a video, went down and uh, met with Ruben. We did a video and we titled it Redemption of an LAPD road cop. And I was like, man, I can't get this really video into the institution. So I just said, you know what? I'm gonna write the transcript basically of this interview that I did with them. And I just made a book out of it. I made like a little five by eight book and we took it into the institution. I mean, small enough to slide under the cell doors. And man, the testimonies, men, women, Norteños, which is the rivals of the MS-13s, the rivals of the Serenios. They go by 14, you know, for N, Norteño. Even them, I mean, I haven't had, I literally haven't had one negative comment by Ruben's testimony through the book, uh, Redemption of LAPD Road Cop. I mean, people come to me and they, you know, like times I'll go there, they'll flag me down in their cell with a piece of paper, you know, try to get my attention. They say, hey, I, I read that book. And, you know, they just tell me how they can relate to him. And because uh, he's so real in the interview, you know, yeah. I mean, he's authentic. And because he's been on both sides of the fence and the way, I mean, it's just like a powerful uh, witnessing tool that we utilize. I mean, it's an icebreaker and everything else. And there's just so much information that people get from the book, uh, you know, about post-traumatic stress, you know, about deliverance, you know, wondering why somebody can get delivered. But then later on, you know, they feel like they're manifesting again. And he goes through that whole process talking about legalities, you know, things that need to be broken off, unforgiveness, things that are suppressed deep inside and how to go in and Jesus go in and remove those things, those roots from the heart, you know, from the soul. Yeah, like I said, it's been a a blessing just uh, to have that camaraderie, that network with Ruben, because, man, it's really advanced our ministry. And, you know, I've taken information that he's given to me and I've taught whole classes on it, Uh, that post-traumatic stress. I mean, that's a big one. That's a big one that a lot of times, you know, is not touched upon. So, uh, you know, he has deep revelation. And like I said, now he's taking it to the police officers, you know, and teaching them. And they're open to it because I have like correctional officers and the jail staff. They like (laughs) they want to, you know, 
understand Reuben's story. And then when they read it, they're blessed by it. Yeah, and I think what is so powerful with Reuben's teaching on the spirit of trauma and the inner healing and deliverance that he does as a result of that. I mean, I don't think, and I'm going to have somebody on my program this week to teach on and do some maybe like mass deliverance in the spirit of trauma, because I don't think people really understand the spirit of trauma. You know, I've had a lot of like Delta Force and X-Rangers and SEAL Team 6 and, and cops on my show as well. And over the years, I find one thing in common, when you're always in constant war mode, boy, that takes its toll. And you just start developing this, you're fighting against the world mentality. And you start getting, develop a hatred for people. Everyone has a form of a subset of PTSD. It is that spirit of trauma. And it afflicts everyone on some level. But particularly with anybody that's in constant war mode, survival mode. Well, it, it eventually it... Uh take its toll on you when you haven't addressed your, your own problems and issues. Because just like you said, these other guys that you interviewed, yes, you start becoming hate the world, a bitter us against them mentality. And then you don't see them as victims anymore. You don't see them as human beings either. But they are your enemies in a sense when you work in the patrol or the field or, or you're at war. The thing is, you're the one that's also getting damaged and affected because all the stuff that you're accumulating and holding on to, it's like uh, you're suppressing so much and, and eventually that, that volcano is going to erupt. And, and when people don't understand that, that human beings were created by God for us to know how to, know how to deal with it by going to Him. He's got the principles of, of forgiveness. He's got the teachings of, of letting things go to Him, forgiving yourself, forgiving others. That's, those are all deep things. And cops, military personnel, after they've been shot or they shot somebody, they want more. They want revenge or they just hate. It tears you up. Yeah, and that's a problem. A lot of cops are not only dealing with all this stuff, but then you have, you know, Antifa and Black Lives Matter and all this race baiting and the division, the racism, the discord, the Hegelian dialect, all this problem, reaction, solution. But the division, it all coalesces to one big cornucopia of madness. But as a former revered gang cop, Ruben, you've seen the racism. And then, Ray, I want you to weigh in on that as well. As a black man, I mean, you know how these, these racial divides go. I've seen so much so much racism. I've seen it in uh, being in prison 16 years. I saw it from every every angle. And, and I, I despise it because I know that that's what the, the, the enemy Satan does to keep us from being united as, as humans, as people. That's why Christ... It's so awesome when you serve God because there's no barrier, there's no color, there's, there, we're all one in Christ. And that's the beautiful part about the body of Christ. In the prison I saw, the Mexicans, the blacks, everyone has racism inside them, every one of them. And I, I'd be eating with the Mexicans, the blacks, the whites, and i tell everybody, hey, I'm not racist, I'm about Jesus, so I'm going to eat with the blacks, I'm going to eat with the whites, I'm going to eat with the Mexicans, and nobody's going to stop me because I, I'm about Jesus. And everybody saw that they didn't bother me. I actually was a pretty good uh, microwave cook in prison. Everybody would hire me to cook in mm. uh, mm-hmm. different types of meals. Right. In prison, they'd hire me, and uh, I cook for the the blacks. and say, "Hey, Ruben, can you make me some make some enchiladas for like six, ten of us?" I'd say, "Bring me all the stuff, and I'll cook it for you guys." And you know, I have other guys, other races, whites. Everybody hired me to cook. I passed time. It was like three hours of my day. That would that would help me. I, it was like a little uh, therapy for me, so I enjoyed it. But everybody saw that Christ does live in me, and I served Christ, and and I mm. I enjoyed doing that because it was also an opportunity for me to uh, share with them, share the Lord with them. But right. when it came to everybody else. I would hear the way they spoke about everybody else. And it was always for me to have an opportunity to tell them the truth because I always have to say something. I'm not going to stay quiet and, and, and let them think they're right when they're not right. The thing is, that's going on in the in the world right now, on the street. You have it all over the place. And, and it's a terrible thing. I know my brother Ray, he's going to this, into the jails, county jails up in uh, Northern California. He could tell you a lot of the stories that, that are going on over there because the same thing. We have the Northerners fighting the Southerners. And they're all Chicanos. But then you have the Bloods fighting the Crips. Right. You have the, the Southern California gang members, all Chicanos fighting each other left and right. I mean, come on, this is a, a, a scheme of the enemy. The devil has plotted and started something good. He planted a seed in somebody's head years ago, and they, they followed up on it, and now they think they got the juice card because they have numbers and power. 
but they, we're, we're destroying each other. We're destroying ourselves every day. Right. We're hurting each other. We're destroying each other, and we're we're being divided. Instead of saying, you know what, we gotta we gotta rethink all this stuff and and structureize ourselves in a different way because we're That's losing. Right. That's right. <laughs> the enemy, the enemy thinks well, he thinks he's winning, but when he when the Lord rescues soldiers like us and, and equips us, we we don't stay quiet because we we're gonna bring the truth to the to the nations. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the that's things right. you don't understand. It's about Jesus. Brother Ray, go ahead and share what you see over there, because I know you see a lot over there, just a division. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, like you said, you have same gangs, you know, Nortanios fighting against Nortanios, Crips fighting against Crips. You know, they broke off into little sets. I remember that even in the Department of Corrections, you know, we had the Fresno Bulldogs and they were causing a lot of havoc, a lot, a lot of enemies. So they thought that the solution was to put them into one unit and then have peace. But what happened was East Fresno started fighting against West Fresno, and they started having these gang wars within the institution, you know, within the same unit. So just, you know, like I said, it's sinful nature that people want a war. And we all know, like, the big picture is order out of chaos, right? And that's what the the New World Order is trying to plan. Race wars, gender wars, everything. You know, I I did a podcast putting out the question, I said, why isn't Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson protesting the Albert Pike statue down the street from the White House? Amen. You know, Albert Pike was a racist. I mean, he wrote the book Morals and Dogma, you know, for the Freemasons. But he's also, some said he's credited for starting the Ku Klux Klan. He was a Ku Klux Klan member. And this is right down the street from the White House. Why? Because they're both 33rd degree Masons. They're both Freemasons. And Albert Pike is a Freemason. You see what I'm saying? So, I mean, this is all by design because, like say create enough chaos people are going to call for order which is that new world order you know that's what it's all designed for you see this in the writings in the you know the original plans of the illuminati by the andy Weishup, you know going back to 1776 i mean this is all part of the plan so you know a lot of times you see uh, a lot of these puppeteers out here on cnn and you know fox news and all that they're just trying to like race bait and everything else. And that's all part of the plan. So when you kind of look at the big picture, you kind of gain that spiritual maturity not to get involved in all that. And we know, even with the gangs, you know, we know that they're trying to cultivate all that violence. Why? Because we know, B- through the music industry, I mean, we know BET, MTV, you know, they're the largest investors into privatized prisons, right? And they only not only invest in privatized prisons, but in pharmaceuticals. We know that over 45% of inmates, what? They get onto psychotropic medications, right? From Whether hearing voices or depressed or whatever, it's big money. And these, especially these privatized prisons, 100, was $178 a day? per inmate you know you got the cca group the geo group hooking up with the music industry black you know like sega black market records all these i mean def jam records universal all these individuals are investing in privatized prisons it's, it's by design you know i mean pharmaceuticals a trillion dollar not a billion dollar trillion dollar industry you know it's like people wondering well like you know music companies they think music companies are all worried about how many downloads they sell they're not really worried about that you know it's like the, the real money they're making is investing in the pharmaceutical companies investing in the privatized prisons you know you got that game grand theft auto by take two interactive they invest in privatized prisons because they understand that when someone simulates violence they're more prone to commit violence no, they're not going to know they're not going to get all of them. But what's playing in the background of this, of these video games? Gangster music. Because they understand, was it, was it Roy H. Williams that did that study that said that even though, you know, a lot of people think, well, I'm just listening to music for the beat. It's not really influencing me. I'm just listening to it for the beat. But they found out that as you connect to the beat or the rhythm, we have two parts of our brain, that those lyrics will bypass your left brain and go into your right brain, Right. People say, well, big deal, it's in my right brain, it's in my subconscious. But they found out that when we go to sleep, what's in your right brain gets transferred to your left brain, and you start believing and understanding these messages, not even knowing you're believing and understanding these messages. And all of a sudden, you, you know, you're waking up angry with a mean face on, on you know, and, you know, want to go down to the mall and get a skeleton t-shirt. You don't even know why. And now you want to, you're more prone to want to play games like Grand Theft Auto because you just want to kill people. You don't even know why you want to kill people. But see, all this programming going on in the subconscious and the industry knows this. They understand that frequencies, frequencies, they can manipulate people's motions through frequencies. You know, they can put 33 hertz, the frequency of 33 hertz in music. And that's literally a lust frequency, gets people to lust. 
So they can put an artist up there that's maybe not attractive, but they can latently put a 33 hertz frequency bandwidth, the music frequency, and all of a sudden you'll get a reaction out the audience that the producer wants. There's all types of these signature frequencies that people are being manipulated by. That's why Hosea 4 and 6 says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. You know, like I said, these are some of the things that I discussed in the book. You know, the different frequencies that a lot of the industries that's using, sigil magic. A lot of people don't understand that a lot of the news shows and we see these count ups, count downs, and even on the news channels where you see lights, you know, flashing and these circular motions, that all goes back to the Book of the Dead. That's how you get people from a beta state, which is our normal brain frequency state, into an alpha state, which is the programming state. And then from there, even in witchcraft, they believe once you can get someone into the alpha state, then when you throw up the symbols... Those symbols are charged through rituals, even the, you know, the horn signs and the triple six signs. You know, they could make a charged symbol out of any symbol at the time when the person's in the alpha state through the music. At that time, the effect goes into the person's spirit. You know, that's been believed for thousands of years. You know, you've seen why, you know, people are just wasting away and falling like flies because of this technology. And a lot of even Christians are ignorant of it. Because like I said, Proverbs 4, 7, that's one thing the Lord put in my heart. And all by getting under, get understanding. You know, Ephesians 5, 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose it. And that's what we do in our ministry. That's why I called it thugexposed.org. Yeah, you know what? You mentioned all the huge parts of this puzzle because there's MK Ultra, mind control, you've got the music industry, the prison industry, the video game industry, the music industry. I mean, all these things coalesce, the frequencies that they're blasting out all the time, the changing the DNA, there's Satan's frequency and God has a frequency. You know, we're getting bathed in all these chemtrails and just bathed in a toxic soup of geoengineering and all these technological weapon systems. Mark Taylor and I talked about that last week on our show on the June 1st show. It's crazy. The culmination, the coalescence, you know, all this 5G and everybody on their phones. You have got a recipe straight out of Hell's Kitchen. And of course, all these things tie together. So I think you brought up a really good point. And it's no wonder then you see this mass school shootings. These guys always hopped up on psychotropic drugs. The VTech shooter, the Jarrett's, the Vegas shooter. There's always some really strange things that never add up in any of these shootings. So, you know, that's a whole other show. But the prison system, wow. You know, every time, and I know this because I'm trained as a psychologist in my former life. So I know exactly what happened. So let's look at the borderline personality. No, you know what the answer for all this stuff is? The transforming power of of Jesus Christ is the answer to all of this mess. Ruben, go ahead, please. You know what? That's one thing people, uh, um, they've been tricked into believing that they have to put their trust or confidence in just uh, the private sector, uh, meaning medical, psychologists, psychiatrists. They can expose something through talking to you, but they are just going to expose it and leave it open. The wound's going to be open, festering with a lot of damages. They're just going to expose it, but they're not going to be able to take you to the to the true healer. They don't have the supernatural power of God, and they don't know the, the body, the mind, the soul, uh, the way the Lord does, because he's the one that created us. And what I've learned, too, in my time with the Lord and, and just what I've been through as a, as a police officer, being in prison, I got to study myself. I got to study behavior of other people and and you're right Sheila it's Jesus is the answer to every situation every person every problem we're dealing with he is the answer he has the answer for us but more importantly when he starts dealing with us individually he starts transforming us healing us delivering us freeing us from our bondages and then through the process we're able to love people the way he sees them and love them and then we can give it back to other people and that's one of the things what I believe for for our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, being equipped is important. Being being aware of the schemes, but also being aware of your place in Christ, your with authority God's given us, our position in Christ, knowing the name of Jesus, knowing how to exercise the name of Jesus, knowing just what power there is to move and, and, and change even our family, starting with our family, then going to the communities, watching communities uh, break the strongholds in the communities. If you're a leader, if you're a, a police officer in any background and you know your place in Christ, your authority, 
instead of protesting, you start praying and fasting in a group, you're going to see revivals. You're going to see breakthroughs right. in the community. And the departments are going to have breakthroughs too. The neighborhoods that have gangs, that, that's going to be cleaned up. The neighborhoods that have drug problems, prostitution, pornography, it, it's going to be dealt with because the power of God is going to move in and, and remove all that. And that's what people don't understand. You bind up the strongmen, the principalities, who's got a little foot soldiers moving around and, and, and uh, harassing people. Right. Getting involved and being binding people, you start buying the strongmen, and then and they're going after the other, the little foot soldiers. You have the, the the victory, you have the authority, and you're gonna see breakthroughs. I saw that myself, my first year in prison. I saw that when I started praying and fasting with a group of Christians, and I was just learning the stuff. I started applying it in the, in a unit where I was at in prison, and I'm talking about warfare. We we're going to war and in prayer and fasting. We started seeing breakthroughs and revivals right there in a unit of 150 or 40 guys. From being three people, by the time I left that place, there was about 50 people going to the Bible study. Mm. And then there was more people wanting to go into the room, but it was so full. And, and even people that would come from the outside of a preacher would say, there's a powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit in this building right here. We could feel it. Prayer and fasting and praying in tongues. The gift of the Holy Spirit was manifesting in that in that place. I saw men in, men in prison get delivered and get transformed. And I'm talking about men that were crazy before. They were gangsters. They were, they were dopeies. You name it. How can you go to get medicine? How can you go to this other person who's limited, who's, who's powerless? They can't. If you're not going to Jesus, you're still going to go in circles. You're going to keep going in circles and circles. And you're going to bang your head against the cement all day, bang your head against the wall. You're not going to the, to the main source, which is Jesus. It's a fact. You can't say I'm, I'm, I'm wrong because you have to look at my background, my packing, and see what I've been through. And the only reason I'm, I'm here now and be able to talk about this is because of him. Because he's real. He's alive. He's resurrected. Right. He's personal. He wants to be personal with all of us. He wants a relationship with all of us. There's no way I could be delivered and freed. Mm. I would have been crazy in prison. I would have murdered some people in there if I wasn't for Jesus. Not just that, I would have been stuck in there and probably never got out of there. Mm. And if I would have got out of there, I would have got out of the worst without him. I know that for a fact because I did have a lot of strongholds. And I was a vicious, angry individual. And I like and I used to love violence. That was my drug. But because of him, I'm a different individual. And now I love human, I love souls. I love people. And that's, that's not, that's not Reuben. <laughs> That's the Lord doing his work in me. That's why a lot of these tough guys, these, these, these different backgrounds, I've seen the human side of the gang members in prison. I saw them cry. I've seen them break down. Killers, lifers, guys with five murders, two murders. I've seen them cry and break down and, and be human. I saw the real human side of them. The, the, the love of God transform a monster. And I know that for a fact. That's right. And that's what's missing in a lot of churches. And praise God, people are getting saved in churches. But, you know, the ministry of deliverance has been neglected severely. And it's like when you get saved, I say, praise God, you get saved. It's like coming out of prison, right? Getting released from the devil's camp. But when you get delivered, it's like having the shackles broken off you. Because yes. you have a lot of individuals that, right. you know, they're saved. They come out of the prison, but it's like trying to do your job. And you still got these waist chains and, you know, foot shackles and, cuffs and then you're wondering why they're not operating you know to the standard of society well they're still bound up with anger with depression with drugs and things like that they haven't got delivered and it's like that's one thing that we teach because you see these people go in and out of prison in and out of prison they get saved they come back in they get you know they go through the programs and it's like those programs are great drug programs are great but you got to get delivered first because them demons will lay dormant as you're going through them drug programs and just be laughing they'll be like okay that's good information but it ain't gonna work for him you know they'll let him get out get a job <laughs> get a get a fiance take him up real high then you know the higher they go then boom then just crash them then they rise back up all the temptations happen over and over they go to another program and they cycle this through their whole life a lot of times sadly you know but it's like that's what we're trying to do is trying to bring the awareness to other ministers you know trying to create a resource that hey this is one of the first things jesus told his disciples to do was cast out demons right and it's the children's bread you know people think it's you know deliverance is for the unsaved no deliverance is for the saved amen and see that's something that the enemy has came in and really bamboozled the church and you know made people think that a, a christian you know a christian can't have a demon what's that what has a christian get lustful thoughts now a christian spirit can't be possessed but the soul which is your mind, your emotion, will, spirits can get into the soul and they can get into the body, but they can't get into the person's spirit. Again, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Well, if that was the case, how do Christians come down with cancer? How do Christians get caught up in pornography to the soul, right? That's why Ephesians 4.27 says, don't give place to the devil, you know, because we can give place. Right. Now, they can't enter into the spirit, but they can enter into the soul if, because in the soul, what do we have? We have the will, right? We can will to give place. 
you know, they, they see people going through things and, well, you know, they're saved, so they can't have a spirit in them. So they just neglect delivering. And this person just spirals down and down and down and they die. And, you know, people are just left perplexed. Well, how, how did that happen? Well, I guess it must have been God's will that they died, whatever. No, it's like we're not doing what we're called to do within the church. We're neglecting the ministry of deliverance and healing. That's why I love programs like this one right here, because that brings that awareness. One of my friends who was married to a woman who was on addicted to pills invested so much money in rehabs, 15 rehabs, and she still died of overdose. Wow. Wow. 15 rehabs, and yeah. she still died of overdose because he wasn't taking her to the Lord. He wasn't. He was sending her to all these different places. And don't get me wrong, you can go to these places and get some help, some ideas, some understanding of yourself. And, and then it's basically to take that first step of saying, okay, I need help. This place is going to help me at least get a little bit of discipline and correction. But then you got to go to the main source, which is Jesus, right. who's going to set you free. Jesus. And if you want to invest, some, if you want to invest some money, and, and and you want to avoid all that and save the money, go straight to Jesus. Go That's straight right. to the Lord, and you're going to be so free. You're going to save the money, and you're going to be dealt with the right way, with with loving compassion, and the Lord's going to set you free. That's a fact. Yeah, and like I was saying, but, these programs have good relapse prevention, right? Some good advice, good wisdom. But like Ruben says, you have to go to Jesus and get delivered because it's like, you know, I mean, like I said, the safeguards, a lot of wisdom. And, you know, because I used to teach, you know, these programs in Department of Correction. But like you say, you're missing, like Ruben said, you're missing that main component. You got to call out to him and get delivered. If these people, if they were to combine it with the with the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, with all that wisdom they have knowledge together, oh my goodness, they'd be, they'd be damaged. They'd be, they'd be effective for the That's kingdom right. of God. Exactly. Because some of the best... Guys, you know, in the treatment of guys have been locked up. I mean, I've seen them spin around psychiatrists during sessions and psychologists, you know, <laughs> and manipulate them because they've been through treatment all their life. And like you said, I mean, there are some principles in there that can line up with the word of God. You know, a, a lot of them don't, but sometimes they can use this, that information as a weapon to get what they want to manipulate people. But like you said, it, it ha you have to have the anointing, the blood of Jesus, that deliverance power to truly get set free. And you got to you got to surrender and you right. all legalities you got to forgive you know like I, what i teach the holy spirit has me teaching is there's two things that stop deliverance one is unrepented sin and two is unforgiveness right. and sometimes you got to break you got you got to uh, ask for forgiveness for what your generations have done you know we've had witchcraft in our family both sides of the family and i had to renounce i had to renounce what some of my ancestors have done on both sides of the family because these curses like through Freemasonry, Greek letter organizations. I got a book called Greek Letter Exposed that talks about how, you know, some of the deliverance I've done with Freemasons and Greek letter, people that in these college fraternities, yeah. the sororities, how they yeah. manifest, how these, you know, rituals and these oaths carry down the bloodline. And unless you renounce those, sometimes people will not get free. And we see that. I see Ooh. when I pray for individuals, their grandfather was in Freemasons. Their father was in Freemasons. I've seen a guy in a, a business suit I was praying for in a parking lot just fall down on my hood and just start slithering like a snake and screaming and yelling when I called out the spirit Whoa. of Freemasons. And he got set free. And to wow. this day, this guy's a deliverance minister now after he got awesome. set free. But like I said, it was the grandfather's. Sins. Have you guys heard of Francis McNutt? He was a deliverance pastor, but he, when he started, his wife was a psychiatrist. And then what happened was one of her psychiatrist colleagues, she she was a psychiatrist dealing with a lot of uh, patients in the mental hospital. Well, since he started experiencing demonization and she didn't know what mm. to do, she started freaking out. She started asking for help. Nobody could help her because nobody even knew about it. Uh, Francis McNutt and his wife didn't know. So they ended up sending her to someone that was trained and she got prayed for and delivered. Then they started studying more about deliverance and healing, and they got better equipped, but they were already in the, in the psychiatry, psychologist world, but with, with no power, with no understanding of the, really the, the spiritual world, what's going on in the spiritual world. So they were getting hit themselves, because when you're dealing with that stuff and you're not covered, you don't understand the, the legal, the law that, that exists right. in the spiritual world, the enemy's going to play games with you, mess you up, and they don't understand right. that. And it's just like, just like cops. When you're going to radio calls, you're going to different radio calls, and you're going into people's homes, and you're dealing with a lot of different stuff. You don't know what's going to get attached to you when you go home. You're going to bring that home with you. That's people right. don't understand that. Right. And then people could curse you. Witches can curse because they hate you. They don't like you. And it's, it's a terrible thing. That's We are supposed to pray for our police officers, for our first responders. We're not supposed to leave, leave them hanging out there because that's why the apartments are 
are falling apart right now. There's so much problem in the apartment because of, because of the, the absence of God in, in the midst of this place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got a lot of witchcraft in these departments, you know. That's what we're doing now, exposing it. <laughs> well, it was really so. funny because there was a task force last night that Jeff Sessions goes, and I thought I thought of both of you. He said, you know, we all have one mission to go after these criminal gangs and drug traffickers at the highest levels. He's speaking to an international association of chiefs of police, and I thought, I'm going to send Ruben in there just to go <laughs> because right. they said money. Because he said, <laughs> he said, we're going to go after MS-13 with a renewed vigor and a sharpened right. focus. And, and I'm announcing that I've been authorized. Hey, there you go, Ruben. He's been green-lighted to use every lawful tool to go after <laughs> yeah. MS, MS-13. And I thought, hey, just send Ruben and Rayford in there to deal with this mess. <laughs> right. It's, you know what? We, we get a lot of deliverance, and, and they all become the Christ. A bunch right. of them. We just go after those demons. <laughs> Right. But, you know, Ruben and, and Ray, this is the I guess this is the point of this discussion is that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We're in the third heavens above That's principalities, right. powers, right. rulers Praise of God. wickedness. We can be taken authority over these territorial spirits, <laughs> casting out demons. You said it best. Mark 16, lay hands on the sick. And, and are they still going to be just sick? No, they shall recover. We need That's to be right. we need to be doing the book of Acts ministry, turning the world upside down be like Stephen like like you you do whatever you want you behead me you stole me but I am going to preach the gospel because it's incumbent upon us to be waging war on the enemies loosing civil war in the enemy's camp right because you know what these MS-13 thugs you know what it's interesting their motto is and I can't say it in Spanish but it's to kill steal and destroy isn't that ironic yeah that's right that's right that's what they do well, you know, like I said, it comes down to understanding this is a, a spiritual war. You know, midnight basketball is not going to stop the gang banging, right? Getting a job for these guys is not going to stop the mentality. You got to deal with this from a spiritual spiritual root, and that's what a lot of police departments and the FBI they don't they don't understand that. A lot of them they don't have that revelation. You know, they don't want to deal with the spiritual side. You know, they're trying to just understand everything. You know, just from you know evaluation the data that they have, and it's like this stuff is spiritual. You got to go to the root if you want to deal with the fruit. You got to go to the root of this issue, and you can only deal with the root through the discernment of the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. That's the only way you're going to deal with this issue. Is you got to go to the root of it and you got to change the soul convict the soul and only one that could do that is the holy spirit well all week of course we see that trump has vowed to tackle the violent animals remember the word of ms-13 with mass deportation but officials of course well they believe that is only going to exacerbate the situation these guys yeah they're animals because they're demonized and they need jesus christ i would love to see and we'll be praying for this for mass revival to break out in ms-13 we can be praying for that. It's like Ruben said, God can take some kind of animal, some monster and completely transform them. And we've seen these guys get, you know, saved. Like I said, a lot of times you call out the spirit of Aztec and Mayans and a lot of these individuals, they want to get delivered. They do. They're tormented. I mean, these spirits are tormenting them. You know, Ruben could tell you about that, you know, and and when he talks about in his testimony. I mean, these, these these demons, people think that these guys want to be, they're slaves a lot of times to these spirits. I mean, they've given place to these demons to come in. Now they're slaves. They don't want to be like that. A lot of times when you're talking to them, you're not even dealing with them. You're dealing with the spirit that's within them. You, well, sooner or later, they, a lot of times these guys get to a point where they're willing to surrender everything. And they say, hey, can you pray for me? And then at that time, the legalities are broken. You go through the renouncing, the the forgiveness, everything else, you know, forgiving themselves, because that's another thing. It's right. like you can forgive everyone else, but you got to forgive yourself. A lot of these guys, they don't want to forgive themselves because they're tormented right. by what they've done. A lot of them feel like they don't deserve forgiveness. And I say, well, none of us deserve forgiveness, but it's not until they can go through that process that they can totally get delivered. But a lot of these guys, you'd be amazed when you talk to them, you know, one-on-one. I mean, they're talking all bad on the unit in front of all their buddies for all their peers but when you pull them side to side they're broken they're hurt they yeah. are they're scared they know hell is real a lot of them but they don't feel like they could be forgiven you have a lot of these guys they've been told they don't think well i've killed two people i don't think i could be forgiven and these are lies of the devil you know that's what we got to do like you said the truth shall make you free we go in there preaching the truth of christ 
And uh, that's how we see these individuals getting set, not just, you know, in the jails and stuff, but on the streets, online. I mean, just what we're doing right now, all of us, we're, what are we doing? Preaching the truth. Some people are getting set free right now by what we're saying. Amen. They got new hope is stirring up inside them by what we've been talking about. For those that are listening and that uh, feel stuck, feel hopeless, even though they're already walking with the Lord and, and are struggling in any area of their life and they don't know about it, don't be afraid to reach out for help. Don't be afraid to... Um, Seek the Lord, just humble yourself. Let the Lord guide you, direct you, build that relationship with the Lord, and trust that God has the right people, and He's going to put the answers for you. Don't don't give up. We all go through certain things, but just remember, if the Lord can set me free and bless my life and start transforming my life and start using me, that can happen to anybody. Just keep your heart open for that. And I want to leave that for those that are listening. Know that God is real. God loves us. Amen. Well said, Reuben. Brother Ray, in the last final bit of the program, final thoughts, please, and then I'll get you to give out your information, how folks can get in touch with you. Now, I would just say my final thoughts. Um, wow. I would just say, you know, the important, most important thing is just to surrender to the Lord. You got to surrender everything. You know, I tell people, no surrenderance, no deliverance. You know, anytime God asks you to put something down, he always got something better for you to, to pick up. You know, um, Proverbs 3, that's just my favorite scripture. I'll just leave with that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll make your path straight and successful. So, you know, that that's the theme that I try to stay with every day. I got to remind myself, trust in the Lord with all my heart. So, yeah, our ministry, uh, ThugExposed.org Ministries, like I said, I, I work with a team of brothers, you know, work with Brother Ruben, Brother Tom, Brother Shane, uh, Sister Janae, some other people. We have a team that we work with. We have a prayer line, 1-800-406-9120. Um, that's why we're doing a lot of the training, because we get so overwhelmed that it's hard to administers you know the service to, to a lot of these individuals so that's why the lord has had me write these books and you can get actually get the books for free we love it when you go to amazon and purchase them but you know lord told me to put these books the ebooks out for free uh, we got ruben's book out there um redemption of lapd road cop thug mentality exposed demon mentality exposed which i was talking about and greek letter exposed so you can go to the website thugexposed.org you know leave me an email you know, check out our site. Look at look at some of the videos. We got tons of videos. Go to our YouTube channel. You can get to the YouTube channel from the site. But uh, yeah, I appreciate this, Sheila, just for allowing uh, me and Ruben to come onto your show. Oh, you're very welcome. And of course, uh, all of the information is linked in the description below. Ruben's website as well, which is just rubenpalomares.com. The actual link is below. Check it out if you are watching this on YouTube. You know, it would be really great, fellas. Maybe we'll plan this sometime over the summer is having you guys back on and we'll just do like a mass deliverance for gang members. It would be just uh, what a blessing it would just be even if one criminal got set free, saved, delivered. What a powerful thing that would be. So I'm looking forward to you guys coming back in the future and doing that. Praise God. I love it. Also, uh, gang members, police officers, military personnel, first responders, I would love to see them set free. They're all struggling with different uh, strongholds because of their careers. Praise God. Well, let, well, let's do it all. We'll just do one mass delivery. Yes. Hey. <laughs> we'll, we'll carpet, yeah. we'll, uh, as I call them, we'll carpet bomb everything. How about? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> hey, all right. That's right. Well, I just want to thank Ruben and Brother Ray for coming on the program. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Thanks for having us on. Thank you. Folks, one more time, that's thugexposed.com and rubenpalomares.com. Ruben's also got a shorter link here. It's rubenp.org. There's an easy one, and all that information is linked below. Do get a copy of Ruben's biography. It's really powerful. Very powerful book that Ray put together, his testimony. There's a video also on Ruben's site. It is the interview of Ray Johnson talking to him. It's, it's really a powerful testimony. So definitely check that out. And if you've got a loved one in jail, or if you've got somebody that's in gangs, you know what, share this program around, you just never know where these kind of programs end up. So I encourage you to like and share and share around on your social media, very powerful stuff. Hey, and don't forget, reach out to my guests today and let them know you heard them on the program. What a great show. Well, speaking of great shows, we have a fantastic lineup this week. Back to back, amazing guests. Gary Wayne joins us tomorrow. Dr. Erica Shepard. Ooh, that's 
going to be powerful witchcraft like you've never heard it. Then Augusto Perez. And we finish off the week with, he's from Dallas, Texas, you know him, Pastor Stephen Broden joins us. It's going to be a fantastic week. All of June just is, it's fixing to be a pretty amazing month. Thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast. We'll see you real soon. Good night and God bless.